All right, today is August the 29th in 2023, and my guest is David Luftglas. David is the CEO of Global Cannabis Holdings. David is up to something very interesting for regular listeners of the show. He's located in a special economic zone in Uruguay, Latin America, to build a THC extraction and finished good production facility for sourcing and distributing globally. In other words, a cannabis factory. Many people in my network have been quite interested to learn more about Uruguay and what the deal is with the special economic zones and how entrepreneurs can utilize it. So I'm super excited to have David on, an entrepreneur with firsthand experience setting up in this very promising jurisdiction. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, Uruguay is really a special country. You know, they already have 11 tax-free zones within the country. And they're really a trailblazer when it comes to, you know, attracting the right talent and the right companies that really want to build and be innovative um, as the world pushes forward into new technology. Super cool. Like I've had a chat with ChatGPT once and it told me that Uruguay has the sort of deepest special economic zones following after, after Honduras, where I am. So cool. it seems to be lots of potential and also a significant amount of its exports come from zone. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Now, Uruguay is definitely a large exporting country. Um, it's a country of 3 million, feeding about 50 million. Uh, they also have a lot of software exports and other technology coming out of these tax-free zones. Great. But first things first, David, who are you? What's your background? How did you get to do what you do now? Yeah. Um, so I've been working in cannabis for a number of years now. Uh, we actually started in Washington, D.C. Uh, I saw a gap in the high-end edibles market while I was working a corporate job here. Uh, so I took my mom's cookie recipe. It was a, a peanut butter truffle originally, a little bit of peanut butter chocolate ball, um, and then brought those around to the retailers in the city. Um, we just thought it would be a good product to, you know, get on the shelves, could be a good ad to market. Um, the retailers told us that, you know, it's great, but one product isn't really worth their time. They don't like dealing with multiple vendors. Um, so based on that, we built out seven brands and 70 different product lines to basically supply everything a dispensary could need in DC. Uh, about a year after that, we were the top wholesaler in the city, working with about 150 retailers and then took everything out to California. Um, along that journey, I was uh, lucky enough to meet the team from Global Cannabis Holdings, um, through Adam Grossman. So Adam Grossman is the founder of Papa and Barkley. They're the number one tinctures and topicals company in California. Um, so he'd been advising them for a couple of years. Uh, so he brought us together and said, hey, this is, you know, just a, a great collection of people that should be working together to build the future of cannabis. Um, so through that, I uh, took them out to Puerto Rico for a quick fundraising trip, introduced them to a lot of my network, um, and then uh, was made an official advisor with Global Cannabis Holdings. Um, uh, after working with them for about six months after that, things were going very well. Um, so they uh, promoted me to managing partner. So I'm now one of the five managing partners behind Global Cannabis Holdings, helping kind of bring in strategic partners from the United States, uh, bring in distribution channels from Europe and other markets, and uh, help raise capital for the whole ecosystem. Um, and then about eight months ago, uh, the team came to me and said, hey, uh, we just got uh, six square kilometers of free land from the Uruguayan government, and we think we're going to grow hemp. Um, so I was like, perfect. Uh, well, let's do THC, let's do psychedelics, let's do renewable energy, let's build a whole special economic zone around it. And they basically said, perfect, uh, take the whole project and run with it and uh, build out whatever we need. Um, so they made me CEO of that project, which is called Global Cannabis Production. Um, so it's the main portfolio company for Global Cannabis Holdings. Global Cannabis Holdings is a diver diversified tokenized ecosystem of cannabis companies. 
Uh, so we have ownership in 38 different portfolio companies across six countries, all related to the cannabis industry. Uh, we kind of try to cover the entire sector, everything from cultivation to extraction, finished good production and branded products, and then R&D all the way from hemp plastics to pharmaceuticals in the cannabis industry. Um, so as we've been building that out, basically a global cannabis production is that cornerstone project of that holding company. Um, so we've been basically setting this up in Uruguay as kind of the new source of cannabis for the world. Um, with uh, the special economic zone, we knew we were really in a special place to succeed when it comes to low cost production of a lot of these materials. Um, so we've taken that and then focused on eliminating a lot of the other traditional costs when it comes to production of cannabis or really any agriculture. Um, so the land came with a 40 foot deep lake that sits on top of the second largest freshwater aquifer in the world. Uh, so we have truly unlimited access to really clean, high quality freshwater. On the energy side, uh, we partnered up with a company called Greenflow. Uh, we've given them a no cost lease for hundred acres in exchange for 5% of their energy production. Um, so that'll actually cover all of the electricity we'll need to run our entire facility and our entire cultivation off the bat. Um, so basically all of our energy is covered, even with a little bit of extra that we're working with the Department of Energy for in Uruguay to sell back. So it'll be an extra revenue source on top there. And then uh, that also lets us offer really low cost energy to everyone that's operating in the campus. Um, we're not just going to be building out the infrastructure in these different you know, businesses ourselves within the special economic zone. We want it to really be a hub and a platform for any other company, um, you know, starting with ag tech, but even going into Bitcoin mining, data centers, other people that want to take, you know, um, advantage of these amazing opportunities we built there with, uh, you know, really good low, low, ca low cost access to water, um, all of this incredible renewable energy so people can work on their net zero goals. Um, and then uh, the entire thing is all built around the special economic zone we're building. So we're working with the government to finalize our approval, which will basically give us a 10 year uh, extendable exemption. So we'll have uh, 0% income tax, 0% capital gains tax, 0% VAT when it comes to importing materials, and then 0% export tax. Um, so it puts us in a kind of unique spot where really the only costs left with operating in our zone are uh, build out and then labor. Um, labor is incredibly reasonable um, in South America overall, but uh, Uruguay is kind of a special place there as well. Um, it's the highest paid market in Latin America, um, really, you know, well-run occupational systems with strong safety standards, strong workers' rights. And that's something we're really big on. You know, it's a, every person that's going to be working within the zone, working on these different properties. Um, if they're operated by us, we want them to have ownership in us. Um, everyone should have ownership in everything they're working on. So we're doing really strong equity plans for every person that's going to be a part of the system. Uh, we're also building out a technical university in collaboration with the government uh, to upskill and reskill the local labor force to get them ready for cannabis, psychedelics, um, even data center jobs, and these other things that we're building in. So we can really drive that local labor force to be the, the force that's actually running, operating, and managing all of these different facilities within our zone. Um, uh, the, the average or the median income right now in the region is only $6,600 per year. So one of our big goals is doubling that within the next few years, really strengthening the core income for um, the people in the region and uh, also giving them access to the rest of the world. Uh, we're going to be giving them free tuition for every person that's local within our university um, and all of these other programs that we'll be building in to really make sure that this is not just good for our company, which is mostly owned by Uruguayans as well, but it's good for the entire country and specifically our region that we're operating in. Fantastic. So much that I want to double pick on. Um, but first, I want to zoom out for a second. 
And let's talk about the cannabis industry, right? So cannabis yeah. is increasingly getting legalized worldwide, which is compelling. Um, a legal industry, sort of with better standards than whatever it was before. Can you talk a bit about the market opportunity? How did it come about the last couple of years? And what's the future going to look like? And what are the challenges to realizing that future that sort of makes special economic zones in the end such a compelling, such a compelling value proposition? Yeah, no, very good question. Um, I really think it's now finally time when someone can really stand up one of these large facilities in the international market and have a market that really makes it worthwhile. Um, just in the past few years, you know, we've seen Portugal legalize, we've seen Germany legalize, we've seen Brazil legalize, Chile, Australia, all of these other markets that are now finally opening up. Uh, a big problem that a lot of the people have had in the past with the cannabis industry is they had this build it and they will come mentality when it comes to cultivation and production facilities. Um, we're, we're big on not taking that mentality and building distribution first. So we've been very focused over the last year on building strong distribution channels across the world so that we're not just producing these things, we're producing them to match up with our sales contracts, producing the right materials at the right time to really match the market need. Um, a good example of that is our partnership with PookMed. So PookMed is another one of the portfolio companies from Global Cannabis Holdings. Uh, they were the first company to import THC products from Uruguay into Brazil. Um, so since then, they've developed distribution to over 600 pharmacies within the market, as well as direct contracts with the federal government of Brazil to supply them with THC products. Uh, the government right now in Brazil, um, just the federal government on that side, excluding the pharmacies, has about a $230 million budget per year. Um, so it's very healthy. Um, and we're in a really strong position to be that low cost leader in the market, you know, to be supplying flour, finished good products, and all of these other pieces that I mean, legitimately 20 to 40% of the, the cost that these other people are charging, just because we have a true advantage when it comes to our cost of input, our cost of goods sold. So we're in a, in a very unique place on that one. Um, another piece of that puzzle is a lot of the CBD products and other things that are going into Brazil right now are coming from the United States. Um, with how distribution works into Brazil, basically for every shipment that goes there, they have to send it directly. So there's lots of distribution centers in places like Miami. And then they have to ship these products to people's houses in batches of 40 or 50 products, which is just not reasonable when it comes to logistics and shipping. So it becomes very expensive. So being based in Uruguay, we're in a much better place to actually access the Brazilian mar market logistically. Um, as well as having lower costs and still having those same brands um, that from the United States that they're familiar with and they're looking for. Fantastic. So you said Brazil is a really big market or use case. You also said much of it is produced in the United States, so it can't reach some of these other markets. So um, what made it uh, what made it possible? So how do special economic zones really help there? Would it have been possible outside of a special economic zone in Uruguay? Or did you look at other countries in Latin America that would have been able to kind of cater to a big growing market like Brazil? Yeah. Um, just I wanted to clarify a little bit. So the products coming from the U.S. are all CBD. Um, one big advantage we have in Uruguay is the federally legal access to THC. So we can supply THC products, CBD products, even psilocybin products are legal in Brazil and legal to be produced in Uruguay. Um, so that's definitely a big piece of that there. Um, it didn't, wouldn't have to be from a special economic zone. Obviously, the advantages are we don't have to pay for importing our materials to build greenhouses. We don't have to pay for export tax. Um, same with our income tax. So it is a really strong advantage just on the cost side. Um, but it's not a necessity. Um, it just puts us in an advantage when it comes to the competition. Great. So the zone doesn't have any additional legal exemptions when it comes to controlled substances that Uruguay doesn't already have on a federal level. Correct. Yeah, Uruguay um, is really far ahead when it comes to um, 
psychedelics and cannabis. They were actually the first country in the world to legalize cannabis back in 13. So they built a lot of the standards that Canada and these other countries are based on. Um, and then they're also, you know, fully legal for psilocybin production for R&D and export. Um, there's MDMA exemptions and a lot of these other things that in most places you would have to sped up a whole special political zone like in Honduras. Um, but it's just kind of built into the system in Uruguay, where as long as you cooperate, uh, cooperate with the Department of Public Health, with IRCA, which is their Cannabis Oversight Committee, um, and uh, basically their government agencies, they're more than happy to work with you, um, especially if you're focused on R&D, health, and exporting to other markets where it's all legal. Um, Uruguay just wants to be that happy producer. Okay, but they, they have regulated or there are substances are controlled for consumption within the country. Yes. Um, so there's uh, over 200 cannabis clubs now where people can sign up, join the club and purchase cannabis. And then it's also for sale in all of the pharmacies around the country as well for specific pharmaceutical strains. Okay. For cannabis specifically, not for, for other psychedelics. Correct. For cannabis specifically, uh, other psychedelics are not available in that form. Um, you can do some clinical trials and other ways to get there. And we're hoping to have that, you know, launch more in Uruguay in the short term. But really, the market on that side is going to be places like Brazil and Australia. Mm -hmm. What are markets where consumption is more decriminalized for, for psychedelics? Specifically? I heard that Costa Rica, for example, is um, sort of very lenient there when it comes to that. Do you know more about that? Um, I'm not too sure about Costa Rica, to be honest. Um, we're really focused on the medical side of the market. So the main export markets we're looking at right now for psychedelics specifically are places like Australia. Um, we recently formed a company with a, uh, formed a partnership with a company called Shroomy out of Australia. Um, so they have contracts with St. Vincent's Hospital, which is one of the largest hospitals in the country, to supply them with both psilocybin and MDMA for their mental health programs. Um, so that's really more the angle we're focused on, is these large hospital contracts where they need really clean, um, transparently produced psychedelics. Um, and then we can fit in, be that supplier. Um, another piece of this is we were recently approved to be the first South American company that can import THC and psychedelic schedule one products into the United States through the DEA uh, for research. So there's about 530 research institutions right now, mostly universities with some pharmaceutical companies that uh, are allowed to do research on schedule one drugs, whether that's THC or psilocybin or MDMA or any of the others. Um, but they don't actually have a clean source other than the University of Mississippi when it comes to THC right now. Uh, so because Uruguay is in that federally legal space, um, is a trusted exporter, it's not considered a narco state by any standards compared to the rest of Latin America. Um, we're at a unique spot where we can actually collaborate with the DEA and then work with the eight DEA certified labs in the United States to send products through them to these universities. Um, so it's let, it lets places like you know Yale and Harvard and these other universities purchase really high quality THC materials like they hadn't been able to before and actually get into clinical trials. Um, and that's so important uh, for a few reasons. First off, because they can actually push, the, push their medicine forward. Um, but second, from the business standpoint, as these different universities and companies are going through their different clinical trials and their FDA approvals for finished good products, if they're using natural botanical extracts of a plant, like most of these cannabis extracts want to use, so they can do full spectrum extracts instead of synthesized THC, it puts them on a very strict supply chain when it comes to these different FDA approvals. So it makes it so they can't really change halfway through their cycle. Um, you know, the genetics they're sourcing, the grow methods they're sourcing, even where it comes from, can be very sticky if you change halfway through your clinical trials. So it not only, you know, gives these people something they can use, but it ties them to us long term as their source, not only through price, not only through quality, which we're going to be the best at, 
but just through the registration processes and the logistics and red tape involved with the FDA. Um, so it kind of puts us in a unique spot to be the backbone of the THC pharmaceutical industry and then do the same thing for psilocybin and all of these other drugs as well. Fantastic. I'm so curious because I'm obviously very bullish on Honduras. I live there, but there's one big missing piece, which is exactly that, right? So um, special economic zones in Honduras are under criminal law, right? So that means there is pretty, um, you know, substance use and export and production. Everything is basically criminalized, right? So that is kind of a missing piece that I've been always looking for. Where is it possible to do that? And it seems Uruguay is really well positioned to become a leader in when it comes to production and exporting. Um, so let's zoom in a bit more again on Uruguay. Can you talk a bit more about it? Because it's, it's sort of known as the Switzerland of Latin America, right? So what makes it so and what led up to it? Because it has a really fascinating history of how it got there, which you told me last time we were talking. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Uruguay was established about, you know, 40, 50 years ago as basically a peace zone between Brazil and Argentina. Um, it was set up as kind of that, that place in the middle where they wanted to have stability so that they can actually do trade and have a place to, you know, vacation on the beautiful beaches, use the amazing port in Montevideo and um, thrive. So uh, since then, Uruguay has really been a hub of democracy, innovation, and just peace through innovation. Um, so uh a good example of this is their education programs. Um, so Uruguay actually has the third most software engineers per capita of any country in the world, uh, which you wouldn't really expect. I think it's like Singapore, Japan, and then Uruguay has number three. Um, and a lot of that goes back to education. So back in 2007, they were really the first Latin American country that was laying fiber across the country. And uh, with that, they actually, they didn't just lay internet out there. Um, they gave access to the entire population. So they gave uh, free laptops and free Wi-Fi access or internet access to every child in the entire country back in 2007. Now they have 16 years of true global access, access to education, access to resources, access to entrepreneurship and business um, growth. And it's built just an amazing community of builders and people that want to push their company forward uh, together. Um, the political system in Uruguay is very cohesive and it's a very rare gem uh, when it comes to that. Um, a lot of it's set up through uh, basically how they run their democracy. So uh, they have five-year cycles when it comes to terms um, for the presidency or these other positions. And then you're not allowed to hold consecutive terms. So if you're the president this cycle, you need to not run next cycle. And then you, have, you can come back five years later. Um, so what that simple thing does, is it sets up really cohesive programs between the different parties. Because the president now knows he can't be president next cycle. Um, so he has to work with the other side. Um, because when he comes back in five years, runs again, he still wants his programs to be there, still wants everything he set up to be in motion. And if he doesn't work with both sides, then they won't do the same for him. So it kind of builds that balance between parties and between politicians where no one can be that, you know, no all be all because they all have to work together or nothing happens. Um, so it's kind of a unique setup from that standpoint where uh, when Brazil had their latest elections and had a lot of political strife, you know, just infighting between the parties, um, the leaders of all three political parties from Uruguay went to Brazil together to show unity, show strength, and show how a, a system can really work when people are focused on the same goals, focused on the people, focused on the mission, and focused on pushing forward and building a place where they all actually want to live together. Um, so it's a really special place from that standpoint. Uh, on the technology standpoint and being progressive and providing the right incentives for business and growth, they're also a true leader. Um, they actually have the second most product, uh, they're, they're the second best country in the world for renewable energy. 
Um, they actually produce about 180% of the energy they use as a country renewably and then sell that energy to other countries. Um, so the only other country that has a better ratio than them right now is Denmark. Um, so it's, yeah, very, very unique in Latin America from that standpoint as well. Um, using mostly hydropower, using their great resources around them, um, and then providing that back to the people. Um, they have really strong public health systems. Uh, the medicinal system and access to doctors is really strong for the entire country and everyone that is a resident there. Um, they even have really strong mental health, health services where if someone has uh, a schizophrenic break and ends up on the street or something like that, they'll legitimately put you up for months and give you mental health services, um, therapy, um, you know, drugs, all, all these things that you need to try and get you back on the right path and back integrated into public. Um, so it's a really unique place from just being supportive on the people and really just understanding that if the people are supported and taken care of and have the opportunities to build, the country is going to be that much better for it. It's also very safe, right? Yeah, safest country by far in Latin America, um, but not through oppression. You know, you don't walk around seeing people with guns everywhere or anything like that. It's just safe because the people are happy and healthy. Um, there's just a really strong base of living where people don't need to have the desperation you see in a lot of the rest of Latin America. Yeah. So can you talk a bit about the special economic zone program? I don't know how much you can talk about the other zones that already exist or what that program, how that program works, and then maybe leading up to how you got to become a special economic zone and how other entrepreneurs do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's 11 active special economic zones in Uruguay right now. Um, some of them are, you know, industrial science parks. Um, a couple of them are large high-rise buildings like the World Trade Centers. Um, we've been looking at these zones for a long time because it's a really strong advantage, especially in the cannabis industry, to not have to operate under these tax laws. Um, it is a short-term special economic zone, so they don't give us these exemptions forever. It's really meant to drive growth and innovation to a region and then to basically build that and templatize it and move it to other places. Um, so we do have a, it's a 10 year renewable exemption. So truly a 20 year exemption taxes. Uh, we're really following the model from uh, the World Trade Centers. One of our early investors is uh, one of the main owners behind the World Trade Center properties. Um, there's six high rise buildings um, called World Trade or under the World Trade Center brand within Uruguay. Two of them are tax free zones. Um, so that was actually one of the first buildings I toured when I came to Uruguay and just saw how amazing the growth was. Um, so many of the tech companies and innovators within Uruguay had just gravitated to this building because of these special economic zones and these tax laws where it can just drive so much growth and be a great incentive to bring people together. Uh, so that's why we've been so focused on building this out for our zone is we want to offer this to companies around the world, you know, saying build here, you know, bring your IP here, have your headquarters here and operate out of this amazing country in these special zones where You can not only have amazing tax advantages, but be surrounded by other people that are in that same mindset and pushing forward um, with innovation. Yeah. So I'm looking at their website and at the other free zones. So one has like their own World Trade Center complex. Um, another one is a park that has like logistics industries. And um, there's one that has an industrial area. And um, so very uh, very explicit also on their website like they describe them in great detail and they just um, seem like they're like explicitly or it's just very it seems like there's a very clear process to getting more of these zones can you talk yep. a bit more about that what it would entail for an, an entrepreneur to get there get another zone yeah um so yeah that's something uruguay does very well is documentation and processes for applications 
Uh, it's a very anti-corruption place. They lay out exactly how each of these zones are developed, what the you know plans are for each step of the way, and what you'll need to file with the government to get approved. Um, so it's a very clear process online. Uh, I would say just work with uh, an Uruguayan law firm. Um, Thomas Kostman is a, an expert when it comes to getting a lot of these zones built. He's a, a German real estate developer that's been working in Uruguay for about 40 years now. Uh, he's built at least two economic zones. I think he's working on his third tax-free zone right now. Um, so he's, he's the one that's been guiding us with a lot of our steps of the way to make sure we're operating correctly. Uh, but yeah, no, there's, there's multiple firms within Uruguay that have really templatized this process and made it easy for people. Um, you're not just shooting in the wind anymore. You know, you can follow these steps and have a, a really strong, you know, almost guarantee that you're going to follow it as long as you bring the right value to the country and specifically to the zone that you're talking about. Um, if you produce jobs, you produce, um, well, you bring in companies, then the Uruguayan government's going to support you is the short answer. They really want to just build innovation and growth and be that that hub for expansion, but uh, sustainable, well-built expansion in Latin America. Great. So let's talk a bit more about your zone, because the way you're describing it, you almost want to put it like a company town, right? You want to attract other industries, you want to attract universities. So uh, do you have kind of a name for the city that you want to, that you want to build? Um, yeah, we're still working on a few different names. Uh, it's going to be something built around Zenith. Uh, Zenith has been kind of the word we've been focusing on recently. It means uh, the time when something is most successful and also the celestial point directly above a person. Uh, so it's kind of a, a fun word that we're playing around with. We're not sure exactly how that's going to fit into it, but uh, we're doing a full rebrand right now, working with our marketing team on exactly how we're going to be framing this. Uh, but it'll be something built around the Zenith. Great. So how will that community or that zone or that city look like? So how big will it be? What kind of people are you trying to attract? How do you want to attract them? Yeah. Um, so uh, right now it's six square kilometers. Uh, we want to be expanding to about 120 square kilometers in the coming years, um, you know, call it three to five years, uh, and bring in together just the best builders around the world, um, specifically focused on ag tech and uh, basically health and wellness. Um, so one group we're talking to is True Algae. Um, they're the, they do these pretty amazing um, vertical algae farms where they have these tubes of algae. Um, they produce 99.9% pure pharmaceutical grade algae that they then use for pharmaceuticals, cosmetics. Um, they also sell carbon credits based on the amazing amount of oxygen produced and then actually sell the uh, biomass material as cow feed. Um, so it's kind of a unique example of a company that's coming in. Uh, we're working with a company called Maxwell Biosciences. Um, they're looking at bringing a large longevity lab out where they want to produce large-scale peptides and a number of other therapies uh, and building a large longevity wellness center on our campus. Um, so that's another one of our core things we're looking at, um, working with Scotch, who is their CEO and leader. Um, uh, beyond that, we're talking about cannabis groups that want to bring in nurseries, um, psilocybin groups and mushroom groups that want to come in and grow everything from, you know, psilocybin golden teachers to uh, cordyceps to lion's mane and a lot of other these other um you know medically significant but uh more food focused mushrooms as well um and uh everything beyond you know solar parks uh data centers bitcoin mining um, i'm very open to anyone that wants to come build be a part of this ecosystem and work uh with the rest of the group um the big thing behind this is the cohesiveness and that we're all working on the same mission of building a city that we want to be a part of and want to live in um, so as long as people come in with that same mindset and those same goals, uh, we want to work with them. Um, we have a few different models on how we work with people. You know, some are just traditional leases where they'll come in, they'll pay X amount per acre per month or per year. 
Um, but a lot of what we're looking to do now is when people have something special like these peptides labs or these wellness centers, uh, we'll set them up with a no cost upfront lease uh, where they can come in, build how they want to build out their own CapEx. And then we just basically ask for 10% of revenue as almost a form of tax for them operating within our zone having access to our reduced costs on water, reduced costs on energy and everything else that comes with it. Um, so yeah, we really want this to be a platform that people can use to build and that they can grow with. Um, it's a, it's going to grow step-by-step step as we build out these different pieces. Uh, we also have a train station on our property that we're going to be refurbishing along with the government that goes directly to the airport and the seaport. We're going to be building an airstrip and an airport long-term on the property to bring in large-scale jobs, make it much easier to access. Um, so yeah, there's a, a lot of plans as we build out in these future years, but right now it's really focused on bringing in innovators that want to build quickly and uh, correctly within our infrastructure and within our, our mission. Super exciting. Yeah, I was just about to ask, so do these benefits like the tax exemptions and things like that, do they trickle down to the tenants? Yep. So anyone operating out, operating out of the tax-free zone is going to get those same benefits. They'll have um, you know, that same exemption from income, corporate, capital gains, VAT, and export tax. Um, and then we have a preferred partner's price for energy. So the, a good example is just electricity costs. Um, average cost right now, if you're buying from the government in Uruguay, is going to be about 11 cents per kilowatt. Um, so we basically bring that down to seven and a half cents per kilowatt for anyone operating out of our zone, give them a significant discount so they can purchase directly from our renewable energy partners. And then they're also working completely on renewable energy, which is always great as well. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm also very attracted to definitely pay a visit sometime next year yeah. and also bring um a group, especially in the from the longevity biotech community. So um not sure I told you about this last time, but we want to start kind of a multi-jurisdictional network city, right? So basically have like three different locations that optimize around creating or accelerating the longevity biotech industry. Right. So one location would be in Prospera and then this, the other candidate that we're looking at is Uruguay because it seems and what you're describing really really well what's super helpful and that will definitely pass down to the community is those advantages when it comes to production right mm -hmm. so in Honduras and Prospera we have the advantage of consumption right so for medical tourism we can just do sort of much more forward-looking um, you know clinical trials and therapies that people could do there under different kind of regulatory and medical autonomy standards so, but in Uruguay, that would be just optimal just to produce because yeah. that we couldn't do in Roatan, for example, because the energy costs are really high and sort of land use is sort of, um, it's harder to scale that right now. So th that's exactly what we've been thinking about, right? So what if you don't choose one, but if we have like three different locations where we are in sort of different parts of the value chain. I love that. Well, one opportunity. Uh, we're going to be having a lot of people, including the CEO of Maxwell Biosciences, come out for New Year's. Um, New Year's is kind of a special time in Uruguay. Um, all of kind of the you know top business people from Argentina and Brazil all congregate in Punta, Punta del Este, which is this beautiful beach city on the coast. Uh, it goes from a population of about like 60 to 80,000 to about 1.2 million for about a month. Um, and it's just kind of this culmination of uh, influence tech and everything else that's going on uh, within Latin America. So just wanted to put it on your radar. Could be a fun time to come out. We'll probably have about 30 people from the U.S., um, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and all just anyone else that's interested in the project coming out that time. But you yes. guys are welcome whenever. I'm down. Um, I can tell you right here, right now. So can some of my listeners come as well who hear this? Absolutely. The more the merrier. Join us in Punta del Este. Cool. <laughs> can you put out an invite or something like that so we can put it in the show notes? 
Yeah. Um, we're putting together a one pager this week, so I'll send it to you. That'll have, you know, recommended hotel info, dates we're going to be there. And then we'll be doing some small intimate events. Uh, so if you want to be a part of anything like that, uh, people can reach out to me directly or, uh, yeah, just let us know how you want to participate. We're always looking for more good folks. Super exciting because right after we also have our two months long camp in Prospera with like 150 people. Nice. Right. So maybe some of that group, um, we, we already kind of planned or were thinking maybe we can come down like for a week or right after that. But now you're saying we can actually come before. So that would actually be quite ideal. So even better. And then maybe I'll come join you guys for camp. Yeah. That sounds sure, like a lot of fun. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else that we haven't talked about that you feel is important to know in the context of sort of creating that kind of world that you were describing that we want to live in? Um, that's a good question. Uh, we are going to be building a number of incubators down there. Um, so if you're a builder, that is, you know, just one of the people that says, if I had, I've got an amazing idea, I've got all of these things together and I just don't have the right resources to grow. Uh, we're going to be bringing in a number of entrepreneurs around the world and setting them up in a space where they can have everything they need to be successful, you know, room, board, you know, even made service, uh, all the food they'll need, access to exercise equipment, everything like that. Um, along with all the business resources they need where they can have access to lawyers, accountants, and all these other things built into singular buildings, um, kind of incubator hubs. So if you're someone that wants to participate in something like that on the entrepreneurial side, on you know the business resource side, or if you just want to talk more about Uruguay, um, let us know. I love talking to new people. I love meeting people that are in this space and uh, building a greater future together. Fantastic. David, it was awesome to have you on. I'm really excited that we met and what you're building down there is uh, I'm very attracted to bring part of my community here. So everyone who's listening, please, um, how can how can people find you to engage with you or connect with you or what kind of what are the kind of things that you're looking for right now? Yeah. Um, LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach out to me. David Luftglass, L-U-F-T glass, like a window. Um, so I'm the only David Love class in the world. I'm usually pretty easy to find. <laughs> um, and then, uh, if people want to work with us, uh, we're looking for more companies that want to come and work out of our special economic zone, want to build on this platform, um, and want to, want to work with us. You know, we're, we're always looking for new people. So if you want to talk to us in any facet, just let us know and, uh, let's have a conversation. Awesome. David, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'll see you soon.